0: my brothers and sisters the lord be with you and with your a reading from the holy gospel according to mark Amen. jesus said to his disciples in those days after the tribulation the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of the earth to the end of the sky. Learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, know that he is near at the gates. Amen, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or hour, no one knows neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to Jesus Christ. How's that for a cheery Gospel? End times. Just what we want to hear about. Nothing like hearing Jesus predicting that the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, stars will be falling from the sky, powers in the heavens will be shaken when we're coming to Mass. Over the centuries, this gospel and similar ones have been used to inspire fear. It was, and it still is, the basis for those, those doomsday prophecies or preachers who will take this text, especially with that ending, saying, you don't know the day or the hour when this is going to happen. And the point was, you better get right with Jesus before the end time or else. And I don't mean to come across as making that, being dismissive of that. We should make sure that we're in right relationship with Jesus. We should repent of our sins, especially of a mortal sin, and go to confession. But Jesus offers that to us out of love and wants us to do that, repent and confess out of love, not out of fear. And I think that for many of us, though, when these scriptures come along, it's it's something that we kind of look at like we just got to get through this reading. Like it it just doesn't seem to, to resonate. We hear these predictions and they seem so distant and so removed. This hasn't happened yet. And in some ways, they kind of pale in comparison to so many things that we see going on all around us already. We see wildfires raging. We see tempers and anxieties and tensions and atrocities too numerous to list just going through the news. We hear of a diabolical evil scandal in our own church and the inability or reluctance on the part of some to even admit that or honestly assess it. We know of the brokenness in the world as much as the brokenness in our own lives and so we wonder How much worse can it get? Human history has has given, unfortunately, too many examples of how bad, how broken every human being has the capacity to become. One recent story that came to mind has really upset me this past week that I'm sure a lot of you have heard about as well. In fact, it was just a year ago where I shared this story in a homily that had gone viral. It was this heartwarming tale about how this woman had run out of gas off of a dangerous highway. And this homeless man who was nearby saw this, he told her to stay put, and then supposedly took $20 of his own money and purchased gas so that she could get home safely. Long story short, the woman and her boyfriend shared this on on Facebook, and they, of course, launched a GoFundMe page where they could try to raise funds to try to help this homeless man out, and ended up raising over $400,000 few months ago I saw a follow-up to that story where the homeless guy was claiming that the couple had stolen the money that was meant to help him get back on his feet and had purchased a new car for themselves and were going on on vacations with it and I remember seeing it and commenting on on the links of course on Facebook saying please God no I I really I I don't want to see any more awful news and I can't even imagine such an awful story like that Well, this launched a law enforcement investigation into the whole thing. And so you kind of held out hope that even if this kind-hearted couple proved to be crooks, at least maybe someone was going to help the guy out and he would get those funds that were meant to help him turn his life around and he would get them. This past week, there was another follow-up that said the couple and the homeless guy were arrested for making the whole thing up as the prosecutor said in this case, unfortunately they hoodwinked a whole lot of people. And when I heard that follow up, I somewhat semi-sarcastically said to a friend of mine, another sign that the end times are near. It just angered and it just upset me and it, it just unsettled me to see that kind of just evil. And I'm sure that all of us have those kinds of stories of things that anger, and upset, and uh, unsettle, and, and depress, and frighten us, and cause us to fear so much so that we probably wouldn't even notice if stars were falling, or if the sun and moon weren't doing what they were supposed to do. We come to mass though not to feel worse about these things. Where where is the hope? And maybe the better question though is, well, what is hope? There's this Jesuit priest uh, by the name of Father William O'Malley. He's from the Bronx, and by now he's got to be in his his late 80s. And I've heard him speak a bunch of times. He's written a slew of books, and I always love listening to the guy because he's just so frank and so honest and very relatable. And at this one conference I was at, he explained it like this. He said, I've learned the big difference between optimism and hope. Optimism is Annie." You know, the annoying kid with the curly hair from the the musical, you know. She's the one that's belting out. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar there'll be sun. So O'Malley and this old priest from the Bronx with the gruff voice said, Yeah, good luck, kid. The forecast is it's going to rain all week, right? And he continues. He said, Hope is different. Hope says, Okay, it's going to rain and we're going to get the job done anyway. Hope says it's the last inning, and we're down by three, but we're going to go out swinging. Because unlike optimism, hope knows that quite often, nice guys do finish last, but that it's a hell of a lot better to be a nice guy than to be first. Jesus is our hope. In following him, the one who has endured loneliness and abandonment, The one who was rejected and betrayed, the one who was tortured and killed, and following the one who knows personally every physical and emotional pain as he experienced life and death on the cross and conquers it, conquers the grave, being risen from the dead. Jesus is our hope. So this gospel isn't about inspiring us to obey him out of fear. And it's not about just patiently enduring suffering and pain, knowing that one day things are really going to get bad. You think these are end times, just wait. Jesus is reminding us of the, as we endure the things that might feel like and might look like the end of times, of what's most important. And what's most important is our souls. And that our souls are fixed on the things that are eternal. That we don't allow the the tribulations and the trials and the struggles to deflect us from all those eternal things, which is really easy for us to fall into. Because, for example, while understandably that focus about that couple and that homeless guy and how they they turn out to be con artists is sad and disappointing and criminal, Jesus invites us to look deeper and let go of the anger and let go of the cynicism and the disillusionment, and when we do, we remember the reality that Thousands of people were moved to compassion, to donate to people that they had never met. Something resonated in the hearts of strangers to be generous, to be selfless. They chose hope. And we need to do that too. C.S. Lewis, in his his literary masterpiece, that a lot of you guys have been taking part in their book study on mere Christianity this, this semester. He wrote every time you make a choice you're turning the central part of you the part of you that chooses into something a little different from what it was before and taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices all your life long you're slowly turning this the central thing either into a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature Either it's into a creature that's in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that's in the state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. That's hard work. But when I choose hope, when I choose Christ, the heavens and the earth and all things that are constantly fading and deteriorating around me that makes it look like the end times and feels like the end times, it doesn't really matter. I recognize the heart of what Jesus is telling us. It's ultimately about me and him. It's about my relationship with him. It's about my identity coming from him, him being my brother and him making me a beloved child of God, the father. It's about my sharing that good hope-filled news and extending that invitation to others who might be scared and suffering and feeling alone. That's all that matters from now until the end of time.